What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On NBA Network. I'm your host, Adam Modish, joined by my co-host, Matt Moore. Matt, how you doing? Hanging in there, man. Hanging in there. Day 21 of quarantine. Is that uh, what it is? Okay. Uh, social distancing, not quarantine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's been three weeks since uh, the incident uh, at in Oklahoma City. That's been three weeks. Feels like five years. I was going to say, it feels like way longer than three weeks. Yeah, but it's been three weeks and um, continue to follow all the protocols. I had to go to the store yesterday and that's becoming, I'm getting more and more paranoid every time I go <laughs> For in. real. Um, and that's, uh, that's, that's how uh, it's kind of going. But in general, things are going well. Our King of the Hill Turn It On Action Network has been really popular. Um, so a lot of great stuff on, on the Locked On Network, uh, just across all the sports, but especially on Locked On NBA Net. Um, make sure to follow that great stuff that, that we're still doing throughout this this period uh, to get you through those times when you can just have some time to listen to a podcast and get away from everything. Highly recommend it. Be productive. I think uh, my this is my estimate. And a lot of times this is like what I've done. So I'm guessing other people have done it. But I think a lot of people's like listening habits have changed and maybe their viewing habits have gone up. But as you mentioned, we're on week three. I think, like, for me, some of the happiest I've been over the last three weeks is when I've worked on a project, whether it's, like, in the yard or something. And that's where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll listen to a podcast. I'll throw in the earbuds and go, you know, work on the yard or something. So um, I'm guessing people now, three weeks of video games and Netflix binging, it's like, okay, it needs something else. Um, So (laughs) that's, that's my little piece of advice. Get outside and maybe do some yard work or I don't know wash your car i don't i don't know what else to do um you guys are killing it over there at action though because you have the uh you have the one-on-one tournament going and i know i need an update we, we did the last update on monday but there's been some nugget specific updates since then what what can you tell me yeah so as you would have predicted uh nikola Jokic advanced in an upset of the of the 11 over six seed uh as nikola Jokic uh beat devin booker and beat him handily 11 to 5. <laughs> Unguardable. Including, this is my favorite part. He had five blocks in that game. <laughs> that's he what he does, Scott, Matt. That's what he does, man. That's why I said during the broadcast uh, that we're holding it right now on Action Network HQ. Uh, and we're starting tonight on Twitch as well. Um, you, you have, if you listen, you have heard me say. We always talk about Jokic's athleticism and verticality, and it's on display today as he just shut down Devin Booker, uh, and Booker could obviously do nothing to stop him. So now uh, Jokic, the 11th seed, will face another upset as Nikola Vucevic knocked off Paul George. Oh, my goodness. No way. Because no one takes step-back shots, no matter how much we adjusted uh, the tendencies. Um so Vucevic advances over Paul George. I love it. Round playoff exit for PG for playoff P, and it's <laughs> Jokic versus Vucevic in the second round. Oh, I can't wait for uh, it to be just big men in the final four. Very excited for that. We'll have that bracket. Whoever wins Vucevic Jokic will face the winner of Bam Adebayo versus Joel Embiid. <laughs> we may have an Embiid Jokic showdown. Let's do it. In the Sweet 16. Vucevic might be a better one-on-one player than Jokic. I mean, that's kind of what he does is that, like, post-up scoring. So that'll be an interesting one. Now I'm thinking you should have had Steven Adams in here. Um, Who else else could we have gotten? Clint Capella. Clint, well, yeah, maybe. Maybe Clint Capella. Rudy Gobert. Was Rudy Gobert? We'll let you know how big a problem we're having with the size issue. 
Uh, Kawhi Leonard only beat Jonathan Isaac 11 to 8 in a 116 It was close. And it was like, it was 8 9 at one point, and then And then Leonard scored the final two uh, to get clear. Can, can I, didn't I tell you this though? I'm, I'm being dead serious about this. You, bit, size matters a lot in one on one. So yeah. I actually think this might be somewhat accurate. I mean, Vucevic and Paul George surprised me because Paul George is pretty strong, but maybe yeah. not. Maybe Vucevic would just back him down. Well, so the problem the problem I've had and my colleagues are tired of me complaining about it is just that the shot selection, even if we want to say that the bigs would do the smart thing, which I think the very few bigs take that approach. Like Vucevic was also draining fadeaways. <laughs> um, but the bigger problem is that the guards are we've seen maybe i don't know like we've done a bunch of these now we're almost through the entire first round and uh saturday is the last day of the first round i think and um through that we've seen maybe less than a dozen threes taken wow and that's just like that's a pro so and no matter what we like we tried to, to to adjust settings on the sim to get it as close to what we thought would be NBA play as possible. And they're still just like, no one's taking step backs. No one's shooting off the dribble. Everyone's trying to power inside and it's just not going well for the little guys, <laughs> the, the big, the big beasts. That's awesome, man. Um, when is the next Jokic game? Is it, is it not for a while? I, I wanted to watch uh, yeah. that first one. I missed it. Yeah, it'll be, I can get you, send you the, the stream of the highlights. Um, and you can find it on my Twitter feed as well. If, if you're listening, um, uh, it'll be, let's see. The first round ends on Sunday? Yeah, it's Sunday now because we're delaying it a day because of tomorrow night's NBA 2K. Oh, yeah. Uh, featuring the players. We're giving the night off uh, to get, let that breathe. And then, um, so like probably Monday or Tuesday will be Jokic's next game. We haven't scheduled the second round yet, but that'll be the, the second round. What do you think of that 2K event, by the way? I think it's, it's kind of interesting. I'm intrigued. I'm, I mean, I guess I'm bored, so I'm going to tune in, but I'm intrigued. Well, just like our traffic has been incredible for this. So like we're, we're averaging like 25,000 Periscope views. That's awesome. Um, a night and like our total is in the millions um, for what we've done <laughs> for a week, which who knew? Like, you know, hey, we should have pandemics more often. <laughs> um, it's obviously terrible, and I'm it's bad joke. Every bad day joke. With, with existential <laughs> dread. Um, but like, uh, I do think that there's like a heightened appetite for like anything. People are just like, oh, this is cool. I'll watch. Like, I'll take time because. I've already gone through all my Netflix stuff. Like I've watched the stuff that I want to watch. Like this is something that's new and I don't know the outcome. Like I'll, I'll watch this. So yeah. I think that that's part of it for sure. The 2k thing, I think is, I'm glad that they're not doing one-on-one because we would have been my, my Oh company. yeah. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, that would have um, sucked. I do wonder, like I, I am interested to hear the players talking because I think the players will uh, have interesting insights on how the game mechanics work. And just like they'll let little things slip when they talk about this stuff. I think it's gonna be good. Oh, I keep that's what I that was my takeaway when it first came out is I was like, man, you're gonna live mic these guys like in an environment where they're used to being very unfiltered. So I'm I'm curious if anything crazy will come out of this. If there'll be one of those moments where it's like, oh my god, he just said that. Do you think? Yeah, um, especially because Kevin Durant's involved. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Totally. I just feel like there's there's a really good chance that he's going to pop off. So. Totally. Um, the other piece of news that came out today that we should talk about: Michael Porter went on um, like an altitude periscope with Chris Dempsey and Katie Wingy earlier today, and um, just one. I, I only bring this up to me. It's kind of a not that big of a story, but I see a lot of people running with it, and I'm curious your thoughts before I say anything. But Michael Porter apparently said that his um, 
his ankle injury was a little bit worse than he originally thought and that this extra time off has allowed him to sort of like fully he's he's fully rehabbing it whereas before maybe he was trying to play through some pain what what's your what are you your thoughts on that I'm not surprised he didn't look right. We were all kind of like, he doesn't really look the same. I thought he started to play a little bit better through it um, as things went on. Um, so, I, like, I don't know where it was, at, where he was at with it or what treatment he was receiving by the end of, before the suspension. Um, it'll be interesting. I guess here's the big thing is like, all right, if if we just go into the playoffs, if we have a playoffs and we just go into them, how does Malone handle his minutes? Like, what? How does that? I, I just have no idea. Like I have no but, idea. But but if you were to predict, what you would you say? Um, I think that he would make he would probably turn to him when they were down either three two or three one. Okay. When the hole was deep enough, he would finally be like, oh, "We gotta do something. Let's try MPJ and see if he get like." He doesn't <laughs> want to go to the rookie bails them out until it's like the very last card that he has to play Malone's last card in his deck. I see. I, I think it'd be different. I think if it gets to that point, he tightens up the rotation and there's like six, six or seven guys that play. That's what happened. I mean, Beasley was great in game five last year against Portland. He didn't play almost. I don't think he played at all in game seven. Didn't play very much in game six. So I, I wonder if it'd go the other way. I mean, who knows though? I also wonder with a guy like MPJ, how much would, the recency, I guess you'd call it bias, of if you get a week of training camp or even, let's say, 10 days to come together and practice before a ter- any kind of postseason tournament, how much would you weigh like, oh, so-and-so looks really good during this very small window. I think they're in the best shape. They're the most ready right now. Throw out the previous you know, five months or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'm, 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 I'm with you there. Like Gary Harris could come out, look great, and it's like you know what? We're a Gary Harris team now. We're we're playing through Gary Harris. Um, who knows? Yeah. I, I, hopefully, we get to a point to find all of this out. It seems like uh, I've, I'll say I've heard through the grapevine a little bit of optimism on that front that there might be some weird plans. I'll just put it that way: some weird planning going on that might just be like the league is des- is just like determined to get a playoff in. And it might be really unique and really different from anything we've seen, but they just want something to conclude this. What, 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 has your thoughts on that changed at all over the last five days or so? No, I've been in the same place. There's a lot of conversation about like they should just call it, but like, they're not going to. Like they like yeah. you will have to pry the postseason out of the NBA. Like you will have to pry it out of their hands. Yeah. Um, they are not going down without playoffs. That's not. They. It would have to be like again. I will say I've said this before. I'll say it again. If we don't have an NBA playoffs, we have much bigger concerns than not having an, the NBA playoffs because the situation yeah. as dire as it is right now and as serious as it is right now and as terrifying as it is right now would have to be so much worse for the NBA to abandon it because of the amount of money that they produce. And they are very concerned with that, as everyone is, because everyone likes money. Let's take a break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to talk about Will Barton's season in review. Um, He had a really interesting one. He's one of the more interesting players, I think, when you just look at uh, what happened to him this year. We'll be right back. Back here with Matt Moore, senior NBA uh, writer for the Action Network, who is doing a really cool one-on-one tournament right now. You're going to want to be following all the things they do, downloading the app, the Action Network app, uh, to keep up with all the latest. Will Barton now, Matt, um, 
No player has had. Uh, oop, your microphone just did a weird echo. Um, no player has had sort of a uh, a more up and down, I would say, eighteen month period than Will Barton. But this year, for the most part, I thought it was a pretty big up. He was second on the team in win shares, third on the team in box plus minus. And then in the month of January, when everybody got hurt, this became a Will Barton, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr. team, and it flourished. I think 10-5 and five over the month of January with, uh, with Barton and Jokic in the lineup. Um, what, just, that's kind of the overview of his season. What, what, what's kind of the broad 10,000-foot view, in, in your opinion, of, on his year? Uh, the best defensive season of Will Barton's career. Just top to bottom, he's been so good on the defensive end. Uh, engaged, focused, physicality, technique. Uh, he's just been great. Uh, he's had some tough assignments, and he will have some possessions where uh, he doesn't look great. I have news for you. Having done some work over the last month, there, there are situations where every player, including like Kawhi Leonard, doesn't look great. Uh, just not to equate the two, but it is to say that Will's been so consistently great on that end, and that's been a big part of their defensive success uh, at times throughout the season. And when he started to dip, and, and you could tell the injuries were really bugging him, that also coincided with the, with the defense really falling off. It was like Will Barton got banged up and couldn't and was exhausted, and Paul Millsap was out, and missing those two was huge. Um, Will's been, I think, more in control than he has. Like I think his ratio of bad shots has been considerably down this year. I think for the most part, he's taking quality looks. He's had better chemistry with uh, Nikola Jokic. You know, he had a dip there for two months, and it was rough, and uh, it was obviously like a, a big drag on the offense. They had other issues, and for some are of you, it, are Jokic you talking like about kind of, the end? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And like for some of it, Jokic was kind of carry, was carrying them, so it's it's kind of okay. But he also I think developed a little bit better chemistry with Joker because that's always been something that's been a little bit weird um, throughout the years. Is that I don't think those two have had excellent chemistry. Oh this- man, see, I would disagree hard with that. They were in 2017. They were the number one pick and roll duo in the NBA in terms of just efficiency. Uh, huh. So I actually. I've always loved the dynamic between Barton and Jokic as a duo. And actually, it's one of my notes on here. I know this is like a super messy stat, but those two with Murray off the court were actually better than Jokic and Murray with Barton off the court. Um, Again, there's so much noise in that data, but at least it tells you that this team that has a one-two punch, they have a nice – I think Barton does a nice job of running the pick and roll with with Jokic. I think some of it for me is that I don't see the same kind of cuts – that you see with some of the other players yeah. like like Jokic yeah, doesn't is very rarely delivering highlight passes to Will yeah. even though I feel like Will cuts a fair amount yeah. um uh he shot great this year by the way and catch and shoot this season Will Barton is 87th percentile for a team that <laughs> so desperately and badly needs anyone mm. to put the ball in the friggin' hole uh having Barton shooting 42% with a 63% effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot has been massive uh for getting the offense back on track and lifting them up when they were were really rough. I think Wills had uh if not the best season of his career, then uh, maybe the most underrated season of his career. Yeah, I think that that's a good way to put it too cuz 2 years ago I thought he had a really good year. His numbers kind of reflect that. This year kind of in line with that. I mean, 15.7 points per game in 2018, 15.1 this year, so only a slight dip. And as you mentioned, this is one of the crazy things about Will. I think because he's so skinny and so wiry and plays so hard and all those things, I think Malone sometimes rides him and maybe even too much. Now, you could say they needed to ride him in January when everybody was hurt. What are you going to do? 
you're already down three starters, you know, limit a guy's minutes. But he was up to 33, over 33 minutes again this year, or at right at 33 minutes per game this year, the most on the team. Um, and I do wonder, one of, my, one of my thoughts with him was in that month of January where he was playing so much, did, did he get ridden too hard and that's what led to this? Or do you think it was just like, it's just you know, it's just a freak accident? I say that one more time. With with Barton, I'm wondering he played so many minutes um, this year. He always, whenever he's healthy, he plays like the most minutes on the team. He did that again this year, and then he gets hurt. He plays 34 minutes per game in January, and he gets hurt at the end of that. Where uh, you know what was it? Four yeah. straight back to backs, and, yeah. and at the end of that is when he got hurt. I just wonder if he got ridden a little bit too hard, but even out of necessity, not blaming anyone, just the circumstances led to him sort of wearing himself out. Yeah, and I think part of it also is like Will plays a physical style of basketball. He's attacking the basket. He's he's taking contact, um, and he's not. He is not a guy that's gonna like throttle down to save himself. Yeah, like I just don't think that that's in Will's mindset. Some of the other guys I think will do that. I don't think Will has that mindset. I think Will's like my team needs me. I got to play my game. I want to be successful. I'm gonna do what I do. And he just kept doing it. And I do think that definitely contributed to him uh, getting banged up. Yeah. His shooting was great, though, this year, as you mentioned. Um, I think his assists, I think, were up on the year. Yep. Let me pull it up here. So it, some of his passing and playmaking, I think, has been great. Do you think, um, you know, he's a shooting guard, but he's played this small forward position for the Nuggets now for a while. Do you do you think that hurts him at all as, a, as like, a producer? Do you think he would be better if he was just a straight shooting guard all the time? Yeah, I think so. I think he'd be better if he, like – a lot of it is that uh, he's all these guys are kind of sharing possessions with so many other guys, right? Like, if your three was just like, I, I, here's an idea. Like, if Jeremy Grant was 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 playing or back and forth junior, okay. Let's say that we're going with like, what I think will be the starting lineup next year, which will be Jamal Murray, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., uh, Jeremy mm. Grant, and and Nikola Jokic. The long boys. Like, yeah, I think Barton is third in that series for usage at least to start the year until like mpj gets going and i think that that probably helps him get the ball and be able to create a little bit more um and and create his own offense i think that that's part of it is like um i actually think that even though gary's very selfless like that's one of the things is everybody's just kind of passing around you need specific trigger mechanisms i think to get will the kind of opportunities where he can attack he's opportunistic and a lot of the time the system is trying to create those opportunities rather than individual players. So I think that like next year's lineup, I think he could be in for an absolutely huge year next season. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I like that lineup. I've been calling for it. I think Will Barton at the two, you know, it's weird how moving Will Barton at the three. Oh, you're small. You're undersized. Will Barton at the two. Oh, you got great length. And you know, it's, it's just one position, but I think in today's NBA, it signifies sort of a big shift towards, your your threes and fours are just long. They're just really long and big, and and Will Barton is not that for that position. So, um, I I could see it. I think it'd be great. I think having that second ball handler in that specific role, I think, would really help. MPJ then becomes sort of the third ball handler, which I I think is okay. So I would be I I'd be all for that lineup. I'd be, I'd be very interested to see. But here's the thing, Matt. Will Barton, I think, has been the heartbeat of this team. That's what I've called him, the heartbeat of this team. Like he's, you know, he's got a certain swagger that nobody else on the team has. He's got a voice that everybody seems to listen to. I could be reading between the lines, that, but I felt like Barton was the guy that sort of snapped when when things hit the wall this year. And I think 
I'm not saying in a way that was like bad. I'm just saying I wonder if he got a little tired. I never thought I would say this, but I wonder if he got a little tired of some of the dynamics on the team. And, you know, he was the one calling everybody soft and saying, hey, guys outside of this locker room think that we're all soft and pushovers. And I wonder if that was not the beginning of the end for Barton here, but I wonder if that was his way of sort of challenging, but also his way of recognizing that this team is missing something. And I don't know, is there, when, when all that happened, did you sense a little bit of not hopelessness from Will, but a little bit of a, like he's seeing this team and judging them in a way that maybe they're not going to bounce back from. I don't think Will is of the mindset to ever be like to bail. Like, I don't think he'll quit on guys. Yeah. You want to put on the, team because he's a total pro right. but i also just don't think he's of the type of guy like there are guys in the league that will still go out and do their job um but they'll just be like but we're not going anywhere like andre Godala was like that most of the year in denver like he was just like looking yeah. back on it he was very much just like yeah i mean we're good we're not going anywhere right um and he's just i'm like a lot of that's just like it's who it's who Igadala is. Barton, I think, is a lot more emotional. And Barton also, like, he wants, like, he chooses to believe in people. That's been kind of his thing. Yeah, for sure. He chooses to believe in people. So I think more his thing is, I think he's got a frustration level. I think there's tension. Um, the way I would, the, uh, the this could be wrong. This is just me taken from conversations I've had. Um, I think on one end of it, you have Will who wants them to actually engage and step up and challenge all these things. And you have on the other end, you have Paul Millsap, who's basically like, he told me the other night before everything happened, he was like, you have to rise to the challenge that's presented to you. And sometimes that's hard because you're not, you don't, you're not mentally able to catch up in time. Like you're not able to recognize the moment in the regular season in the playoffs. You know the intensity. You know what the challenge is going to be. Yeah. You're setting the tone. You want to be the one to set the tone. In the regular season, you're adapting a lot of time to what it is that you're seeing because you're just trying to get through it. And I think that Will wants to be the asserter, and Millsap wants to manage a little bit better because they're in very different points of their careers, and because they have different approaches to the game. Yeah, they're the they're very that, different personalities. Yeah, and the problem with that is I think that Jamal and Jokic, as two of the other really core guys, because Gary, I think, can vacillate either way, um, those two guys, I think, get caught drifting in between. Yeah. And I think that they're, they're, they're... One of the big problems with this team the entire season was just like, we know we're good enough, and we're not going to burn ourselves out because we know how tired we were in May. The problem with that is like you got to do it a little bit <laughs> like you got you got to burn yourself out a little bit because if you want to be great because otherwise you never learn how to be a great team. And I think that's one of Will's problems is like they were good enough and they they acted the entire season. And I think Malone and Will like, were speaking for each other with a lot of their comments um, and talk about like we talk a lot. That was Malone's big thing. We talk a lot. And I think that's a, a thing is like they're like, look. Yeah, we're good. We could definitely win enough regular season games to get the seed that we want. But if we get to the playoffs and we've never played great, what are we going to do? We can't just immediately become this great team. We have to play great at some point in the season. And they never did. And I think that was a source of frustration for Will. Like, they played great in terms of they were fun to watch and they won a lot of games that they weren't supposed to in that stretch where everybody was injured. 
But that's not what you're supposed like. You got to do it with everybody in order for it to feel real. Because yeah. otherwise, you're just taking advantage of teams overlooking you to a certain degree. Even if you're I really, don't even, I don't even know if it was that though. I, just, I I mean, I've told you this before. I thought that run in January had a lot more to do with the clarity of who you are and how you're supposed to play. And look, there's of course there was some overlooking and this or that, but. I just think this team, one of their problems is they do play different when everybody's there because it does feel like, okay, what are we supposed to do? Who's supposed to touch the ball? Who are we playing through? And all those different things. And and then yeah, the guy think- you notice this most more than anyone is Jokic. I mean, Jokic looks like the MVP of the entire league in the month of January. He looks like he doesn't want to be there after the All-Star break. And it's just it's so stark. Yeah, and we try and isolate that into like specific personalities. Is it, like, is it Gary? Is it Will? Is it Jamal? Is it like, the, is it Paul? The I, I do think of it differently because I think for you, it's like everybody knew what they were supposed to do, and I think it's like everybody knew what they were supposed to do because they were playing with urgency because they had to play with urgency. I think when you're urgent, you make decisions quicker because you're like, we just got to go. That like that's been the big key with with Denver the entire year. When there was a sense of urgency, except for the Clippers game because they were blindsided. They responded. They played great whenever there was a sense of urgency. In the games where there was no urgency, they play like garbage. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a part of it. I think there's no question. I, my question when I was bringing up Will, though, it, what, the, the original question about him, it wasn't so much about quitting on the team because I'm with you. He, he would never do that. He's too prideful. I just, with Will has embodied this team's confidence, I think, from the moment he arrived. Just this, like... You know, he's believed, he's been locked in, he's been, you know, growing. And I felt like this year might have been the first year. It wasn't that he didn't believe. It's just that with him, it almost felt like talking to him, you could tell something was off. And he wouldn't obviously say what it was. But this just, and that, and that's all I meant. I wonder if he looked at this team and he's like, of course we believe we could do this. But I just sensed in him that there was something that was off with this team. And it culminated with him calling the team out that, that night, maybe a week before, two weeks before the season ended. So I think he's just tired of, I mean, a lot of this is like you play together with the same guys. Like I think he was frustrated early on with Joker. Yeah. Could be. He was a guy that was pretty obvious. Like he was pretty obvious about it. Like one of my favorite like moments of the year was like when they were, when I, I, I think it was Brendan was like, like, do you think that Jokic is getting the ball enough? And then Will like started to be like, yeah, we could, you know, we could give him more. And then he was like, no, you know what? No, like he's getting the ball every time. <laughs> he's like, he's getting the ball enough. Like, we just get to play harder. Like, we just get to play better. Mm. Like, he's not here to really like. He doesn't buy. I think that for him things are simpler. And I think that I think Joker's a lot for him to kind of uh, navigate because Joker's not complicated. What's the word? Uh, enigmatic, enigmatic to a certain degree. Okay. Um, and I do think that there are other personalities in the locker room that are a lot. Like I think there are there, and I think Will's one of those personalities that's a lot. Like for a locker room that's pretty quiet and understated in terms of the media. Like Jamal's a big personality at this point. I think MPJ is a big is a bigger personality than he lets on him with the media. Uh, and I think Will's a big personality. I think there's big personalities on the team because it's an NBA team, and that's what happens. And last year, everybody was really bought in. I think this year, everybody's like, we don't have to be as bought in because we know that we're good. And it's like, no, you still got to be bought in a little bit. Otherwise, we're just going to be a mediocre team. <laughs> I, it felt like maybe they were heading there, and it felt like maybe Barton hadn't noticed it. And that's why, just to me, when you talk about a sense of urgency, he, to me, seemed like the guy that had the biggest sense of urgency on the team. And he's just really good at sensing these things. He he kind of always has his finger on the uh, emotional pul- pulse of the team. and And like... Some of this, too, is the different approaches the teams have to the regular season and players, too. Yeah. Um, Paul fits a lot more in with the Spurs mentality. 
where if you would notice, there were times when Paul would sense blood in the water versus those easy teams, and he would go off. Like, he would just have a quarter where he just racked it up because it was easy and it was kind of doing. And, like, in my mind, part of that is, like, Paul Melsat being like, we can get out a big lead here and just have, like, a normal NBA game and coast on out of here. And I think that versus the bigger teams, it's always, like, trying to hold back. Don't be the first one to show that you're really engaged. Like, they showed up for games, for big games consistently until the Clippers game, right? Like, they showed up for the mm-hmm. Lakers matchups. They showed up for the ones versus Houston. Um, but I think that's part of, like, the differential. I think is like, is like Will wants to go out a, a little bit more in terms of the overall intensity and effort. And I'm not sure that the rest of the starters are of that mindset. And that's everybody, not just Paul. So I, you think he, he's going to be back next year? I mean, I, I know this is all – everything is so hard to, to sort out. But you think he's still part of the team? He's not one of the guys that gets moved? I think it's I think it's possible. So, like, I mean, that that potential starting lineup. But that's, like, Gary Harris isn't there, and yet there's nobody taking Gary Harris's space. And if you ask me, like, will Gary Harris be traded for a starter? I'd be like, yes. So, like, what's the answer there? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so it, I think it's complicated. I do think that um, – I think – if there is a, a player that the front office thinks is a superstar, which is not necessarily the, who the fans or the media thinks is a superstar, but if they think they're a superstar and will legitimately put them over the top and Will is the deal breaker, then Will will be included. And it will absolutely just wreck Tim Connolly. Like it would, yeah. Like, he goes back uh, but, far with, Tim, with, with Will Barton. But like, look, you know... Danny Ainge traded Isaiah Thomas with a hip injury after his sister died, after a Acer Conference Finals playoff run, um, following an MVP caliber season. This is how it goes, and they and he traded him for Kyrie Irving from the Cavaliers. Like, this is how it goes, you know. And and eventually, a lot of it has to come down to certain decisions have to go through ownership. And you have to be a like you can't be the guy that's like well no I don't want to trade him because I like him is because he's my friend like you can't you can't do that you just have yeah. to be like this is the best move for us and we have to do this because it's a no brainer like Does, there are certain deals I know that if it was like a superstar straight up for Will Barton they would do but the difference though is like they think so highly of Will and Gary too that if they're trading those two guys together in a package like it had better be like it's it's got to be an all NBA type guy. Does Bradley Beal and Will Barton work as a starting backcourt? God, I'm trying to think how that would work. Yeah, I think it does. It's out. It's outside the box. Um, but Beal's handle is good enough that I'm not worried about getting stolen. Um, Beal might get a little tired, but Will can bring the ball up enough, and so can Joker. Yeah, that that would be okay. That would take some of the strain, like. The act of running the ball up the floor, you would be surprised how many guys are like, that gets tiring. It takes it out of you because yeah. you're doing it 100 times a game um, or 50 times a game, whatever, how much you're on the floor. Um, the spacing would be good. The athleticism would be good. It's a good size combination. You go from 6-3-6-3 to 6-3-6-6. Um, I think it works. I don't think it's perfect. But with Joker, it's definitely a, a way better optimized than the combination that they have now. What about Drew Holiday and Will Barton? That one fits to me a lot better. Uh, I also just again like I think very plainly that um, Drew Holiday is um, Drew Holiday can operate as a 
like people think of him as a shooting guard and I've always known Drew as a point. So it's weird to me to think of him as a shooting guard, but that interchangeability to be able to set up the offense, the athleticism, um, Drew's one-on-one game is excellent. Uh, his one-on-one defense is phenomenal. Like all of the issues that Malone has with perimeter containment of guys, just not stopping their guy that goes away. Um, you're interchangeable. You've got better length. You could switch a little bit more. Uh, if Jokic isn't on the floor, like, that that works really well to me. Drew Holiday, Will Barton is a like if it's Drew Holiday, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., Jeremy Grant, and Nikola Jokic, like I'm picking that team to be the two seed and go to the, the Western Conference Finals. Could be man, you're really high on Drew. I, I worry just worry about him as a point guard. I know all the numbers have said he's been so much better with a lead ball handler beside him. And I guess maybe Will can be that guy. Will Barton can, but I don't know. No, I mean I just think like look. Um I wouldn't think of it that way. I would just think of it as like look, the point guard of the Denver Nuggets is Joe is Joker. Yeah, kind of. No, like he is. Like he he's the one that that makes all of the decisions. The ball touches his yeah, hand. Yeah, but, but there's somebody. There's got to be somebody for Jokic too. This was George Carl's point about. I mean, George Carl was very adamant that the Nuggets need a starting point guard. And I I'm I'll be honest. I'm moving that direction pretty pretty quickly. And just and a lot of it is Jokic gets so few easy buckets. And I think there is something too. Like yeah, get him as a, a scoring receiving threat, not a scoring creating threat, but receiving threat, and it's going to open up so much more of what, what he does. What don't you see from Holiday in terms of being a league guard? I'm curious. Uh, he's really quick. I mean, he makes good passes, you know, good pocket passes, so he could be there. I, it, it, it's honestly not like any skill I'd isolate. I just know from talking to enough people that his he's always a much better player whenever they give him somebody else to take on that when he's the two and there's another there's a one beside him but maybe how often has that really happened what's that how often has he has he like in philadelphia he was point guard he played next to evan turner for the duration of his time there right yeah like evan turner evan turner's not point guard he was a point guard under brad stevens off the bench but that was it right and then new orleans he played next to eric gordon and then he played next to Rondo, but that was more in like a combo guard situation. Like both of them played – like it wasn't like Rondo's team. Like Drew was still bringing the ball up. It was just having another – it was basically Rondo was in like a Lonzo Ball type of off-ball distributor mode. And then, um, you know, like this season, he's playing next to Lonzo. And then like Brandon Ingram is like the wing. But like in reality, like Drew's almost always played point. Like he's played point for most of his career. I don't know who you can really – Last year, he averaged 7.7 assists, like almost eight assists a game. The Pelicans played at an insane pace, so that's part of it. But I just I have zero concerns with Drew Holiday being able to set up an offense and get Jokic easy buckets. Like those are things I think he absolutely could do. Hmm. Well, we might see it. Um, you know, maybe that is the backcourt of the future. Uh, uh, Barton, Andrew Holiday. I mean, I could definitely could see it. Be a, when you talk about length. You know, Drew Holiday, as much as he is short, though, he still plays like a guy that's 6'8". I mean, he's one of the strongest and longest guards um, out there. But, you know, it could be a thing. I could definitely see it. Um, but I could also see Will Barton. I, I just wonder. I've always thought Will Barton would, you know, he would be a piece of this team in some capacity. And this is the first year I wonder, like, hey, he's he's fair game just like Gary is, just like Jamal is, just like, you know, a lot of them are. I think Michael Porter and Jokic are probably not Michael Porter because I don't know that you can trade him for a ton of stuff. And also I think there's just more value in hoping he turns out to be the best version of himself. Jokic, cause he's the cornerstone, but I, I do wonder if everybody's on the, t- everybody else is on the table. I kind of think that's the case. Yeah. I've, I've gotten that sense for a while that and I've been talking about on this podcast that like, I don't think, I think that I think Tim Connolly when he turned down the wizard's job, 
knew that this was going to be hard. Um, you don't think about having to make all of the tough decisions, but he probably knew like he's, he's had, like he's had to consider like, would we be better without Will in the past? Like he's had to ask, ask us questions because that's every day for every front office with every single player, like except for your franchise guys. Um, teams are, are always calling and being like, well, what about, uh, what about Will Barton? You know, or like, what about Gary Harris or what about Jamal Murray? And, and having to make this kind of assertion. So I, I do think that, um, I think it's very possible that Will's not here next year mm. in that I think that they're going to be looking for a major upgrade. And in order to get a major upgrade in the NBA, you have to give up the kind of assets that the Nuggets have always resisted doing or have since, yeah. you know, since, since the Iguodala deal and really under Tim Conley's um, under Tim Conley's tenure. Um, the only thing is, Mike, like the only thing I would say, don't, don't, don't trade Will Barton in division. Don't do it. <laughs> don't. That will go badly. It will go so badly. Don't do that. Oh man, I'm telling you, uh, Chris Paul deal is like really staring me down the, you know, just staring me in the eyes, and I'm looking at it, going, okay, what, what's a Chris Paul deal? It's, you know, Gary Harris, maybe uh, Will Barton and a pick or something. I don't, I don't know what you could, what you, what you would do, but. Just the idea, like you said, of sending it. You'd complete the set. You'd get one to every single team in the division. You'd have some piece of the core. Um, the problem with that is just getting the money to work. Like I, I think with, with CP3's agent contract, you don't have to give up that much right. because of where the Thunder are at. Because like I, I will say this, I can I can tell you definitively. OKC loves Chris Paul. They're so glad he's there. They think he's having a phenomenal season. They love winning with him. He's been great to everybody there. He's been the leader they wanted. Uh, they are still 100% focused on their future. Yeah, like whatever makes, they do it makes now, sense. like a happy, it's just like a happy accident. Like they're they're like, this is great, we're winning, cool. We're we're focused on the future. I'm captaining the uh, Chris Chris Paul to Denver uh, bandwagon. I'm driving it. I'm on, I'm fully on board now. I think George Carl put me I, on, I but I'm with just it. Be able to talk to Chris on a daily basis, like that would be an incredible experience because every conversation. I've been, I have shielded myself for enough of his products to get five to 10 minutes of time with him for interviews <laughs> that I love talking to Chris Paul. It's just like, it's always been, um, I'm super, I'm like, I have a much different view of Chris Paul than fans do because fans know him as like the guy that hit Julius Hodge in the nuts and then the guy that was a jerk in LA and the guy <laughs> that, you know, does the stuff about you need to tie your, your, yeah, untuck your shirt and he's such a, he complains about everybody. And like Chris Paul to me is a guy that like I saw walk into a New Orleans grade school that he basically has kept in operation and all those kids run up to hug him and you're just like, oh, huh. and like kids that he knows by name. Yeah. He is like he has thrown so much of his not just money because the players can do money. He has thrown so much of his time and money into community projects that I have like an endless reservoir of respect and admiration for Chris Paul. I'm I'm driving it. I'm telling you. I, I also think it would be the. I think it would be good for Jokic. I kind of feel like he might. I mean, it could be horrible for Jokic, but I think it's like it, it, he needs somebody like that to kind of show him what it takes to go into the next level. And I just think Chris I, Paul could be that guy. I, maybe he's I, not. I like where you're at with this in terms of. I like that you have transitioned from. Like a lot of people are like, go the safest route with your superstar, and instead you're basically like, okay. This could be a disaster. It's so hard, Matt, in the well, NBA. It's so hard, man. Like, 
you get enough base hits, but at some point you got to hit a home run, and you might you might strike out. And I just think for me, that's where I am with this Nuggets team. They're really good, but I see like five or six more base hits from now, and you're still the like third best team in the West. And at some point, you got to get the guy, and maybe that's Chris Paul. He's really good. He's really he's he's proven once again this last year that he's still really good. Yeah, um, it, I think it'll be interesting to see. Like, part of it is that when we look at the guys that aren't centers. Um, because of the next star that everyone's going to start going after is Towns. Mm. When we look at guys that aren't centers, the list of stars that you might be able to get, uh, like it drops off quite a bit. Like even as good as Bradley Beal is, and I'm doing like a Wizards piece for action, and like holy crap, Bradley Beal's so good. Like he's just so good at everything. Um, but like Devin Booker is a legitimate star. Like he is a star player. Hmm. But would you think Devin Booker moves the needle at all for the Nuggets? Yeah, he makes him better, but I'm, I hear what you're saying. It's not he's not one of the guys that that you're like, oh, title contender, they're number one or whatever. Yeah. So. My bit, my big thing with Chris Paul is just like, um, if it worked out, yeah, it could be the difference. Um, there are a couple of ways it doesn't, and the ways it doesn't are so bad. Like, he's always hurt. He can't play. He's over the hill, and yeah. you have that contract, and like that's Tim Conley's job. Like that's it. Like he would get fired over deal and a deal. I think he's fine with that though. Like I, I've I've said this well. I don't look. I could be wrong on this, but I think he was willing to take those types of moves. Um, I will say this. I think it's a little bit different now because he did take like he turned down the Wizards' job. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like he moved into a different phase. Like you know, and like you know as well as I do that Tim Conley has consistently been like pretty humble about where he's at in yeah. this league. Like, he is not a guy that's like, I'm going to be a GM in the league and be a um Yeah, I do think that not taking the Wizards job has ramifications for his future. And so I think, like, that that does make, I think, taking – it's like he's required to take bigger risks because of where the team is at. But you don't want to take bigger risks because, like, he decided to go ahead and plant roots here. Like, he's committed to Denver now. Right. Um, and that changes the dynamic. He's got kids, you know? Yeah. Like – the other thing and, about the Chris Paul like, thing, things- his on that super max. So he makes he has two more years left. Well, one year plus a player option after that, and it's forty one million, then forty four million. And if the salary cap shrinks, <laughs> it might become even more impossible to to add a player like that. I, I mean, who knows what they're going to do with the salary cap? But <laughs> hey, Stan, <laughs> we need you to go ten million dollars into the luxury tax for a thirty eight year old Chris Paul. You know what? Do it. Do it. It's that's how you win. I, it might be the only the only route. Matt, let's wrap this up, man. This was fun. Um, we'll be back again next week talking, I think, Paul Millsap's on deck and then Michael Porter Jr., so two very interesting ones. Everybody stay safe out there. Don't forget, social distancing is important. Um, you know, follow all the requirements. I know everybody, I, from my experience talking to people, I know people are getting tired of this, but, you know, step back. Remove yourself a little bit and remember, this is all, uh, this is all very important stuff. Um, Matt, anything before we get out? Just take care of yourselves. Um, Whatever you need to do to take care of yourselves, take care of yourselves. Um, We're all in this together. Sounds good. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We'll be back again next week.